It's October 1999, and in a corner office inside Levi's San Francisco headquarters, Phil Marino flicks through a report. Just a week ago, Marino ran Pepsi-Cola North America. Now the 52-year-old is the new CEO of Levi's, parachuted in to save the world's most iconic pants. The figures and charts in front of him are worrying. Levi's is losing its youth appeal, and with it, billions of dollars in sales. It's failing even on the basics, like delivering orders to retailers on time. Marino's assistant knocks on the open office door. Hey, I have the Walmart buyer on the phone. He wants to talk to you. Marino raises an eyebrow in surprise. Levi's and Walmart have history. To protect the price of its jeans, Levi's refuses to sell to discount stores in the U.S. But in the early 90s, it did supply jeans to Walmart under the Britannia brand. And every year, Walmart bought millions of pairs of Britannia jeans. Then, Walmart bought a chain of Canadian discount stores that stocked Levi's jeans. Levi's immediately pulled its clothes from Walmart's new Canadian subsidiary. Enraged, Walmart kicked Britannia out of its U.S. stores. The two companies haven't worked together since. Marino picks up the phone. Mr. Marino, thanks for taking my call. Congratulations on the new job. Thank you very much. What can I do for you? Look, we want to put the past behind us. Levi still has star power, and we want them in our stores. I'm hoping we can make it happen. You know, we would sell a lot of Levi's. Marino feels his heart lift. Reconnecting with Walmart could halt Levi's sales decline. But then he glances at the depressing report about Levi's late and often incomplete deliveries to retailers, and his shoulders sag. Well, I'm interested. Very interested. But at this moment, we're not in the right place to do this. There's a lot I need to address before we can be the kind of supplier Walmart expects. So, listen, would you still be open to talking maybe a year or two down the line? I understand. And, yeah, we'll wait. Marino knows getting Levi's distribution into shape won't be easy. But now he's got a powerful incentive. The doors to the nation's biggest retailer are wide open. But to seize that opportunity, Levi's is going to have to get its house in order. Walmart needs a steady supply. And Marino knows he's got to get it done without getting Levi's labeled as a bargain basement brand. Enjoy a powerful business upgrade with Dell Technologies' Black Friday in July event. Get amazing savings with up to 50% off high-performance computers and tech built for business. And be able to take your office with you with Windows 10 Pro. Plus, get great offers on Dell servers, monitors, docks, and more, all with easy financing options through Dell Financial Services. Call 877-ASK-DELL. That's 877-ASK-DELL. And speak with a Dell Technologies advisor today. Louisiana's diverse landscapes include dense timber forests and seafood-rich coastlines. And every step along the way, you'll find a business environment that's strong, diverse, and ripe with opportunity. Need proof? Louisiana is where NASA and higher ed partners build rockets that will soon put the first women on the moon. It's also where the port system delivers the most domestic cargo in the U.S. And Louisiana is home to the best workforce development program in the country. See what Louisiana economic development can do for you. Visit OpportunityLouisiana.com today.
from Wondery. I'm David Brown, and this is Business Wars. On the last episode, VF Corporation brought Lee and Wrangler under one roof. Levi's fell behind the times, and a strange doll helped Lee win over a new generation. Now, Levi's is trying to recover its mojo. This is Episode 6, The Unraveling. It's spring 2002. And in Levi's San Francisco boardroom, things are getting heated. One senior executive jabs his finger in CEO Phil Marino's direction. This will destroy us. It's a race to the bottom, Phil. Our brand has cachet. Cachet earned over decades. Going into Walmart is the quickest way to squander that. Marino stays calm. He knew his plan would ruffle feathers. Walmart sells a third of all jeans in America. You really think we can ignore it? Yes, yes, I do. We never needed Walmart before to get to where we are today. And where exactly are we? The executive pauses. The CEO has made a direct hit. Truth is, Levi's is in a bad place. For two years, Marino and his team have battled to revive the brand. They've shut almost all U.S. factories, eliminated 25,000 jobs worldwide, and gotten better at chasing trends. But all that's done is stop the sales slide. Levi's is still a zero-growth company burdened with $4 billion of debt. The executive composes himself. (laughs) Okay, yes, things aren't good. But the answer is to go up market, not down market. But we can do both. That's the point of my strategy. Another executive interjects. Phil, high-end stores don't want clothing brands that are on sale at Walmart. Lee and Wrangler are in Walmart, and Neiman Marcus won't touch them. Marino leans forward. Levi's is different. It's the world's most democratic brand. It speaks to everyone. Now look, this can work. We give Walmart a line of jeans made with lower quality denim and with fewer fits. Our main red tab line maintains the same high quality. And we go after the designer jean market with a line offering the latest trends in vintage styles. The Levi's executives glance at each other. They sense Marino's not budging. There's no point in arguing. It's Walmart. Or bust. Levi's spends the next year preparing Marino's comeback strategy. Step one is to fix Levi's sluggish distribution system. Currently, they're sending clothes bouncing around the country like pinballs. Jeans move from factories to regional depots and retailer warehouses before finally reaching stores. Walmart is the wizard of distribution and helps Levi's streamline the system. Now, jeans go directly from factories to one of just two massive depots, where Walmart's trucks collect them. The new streamlined system allows Levi's to keep pace with Walmart's high-speed, high-volume approach. Next. Levi's creates its new upmarket and downmarket brands. Walmart gets the signature line, a basic brand made with cheaper denim and dyes. For more upscale stores, 
Levi's creates the fashion-forward Type 1 line. By summer 2003, Signature and Type 1 are ready to roll, and VF Corporation, the owner of Wrangler and Lee, is sizing them up. It's 2003, and in Greensboro, North Carolina, VF Corporation CEO Mackie McDonald is holding a meeting with the key executives from the company's jeans division. The silver-haired McDonald nudges up his wire-framed spectacles and homes in on the bottom line. What damage can we expect from Levi's signature line? A marketing executive answers. 3% fall in sales. 3%? That's all? Yes. Signature jeans will cost $23 or more. They'll be the most expensive jeans in Walmart by far. Wrangler sells there for $15 to $18. Levi's aren't price competitive. McDonald's smiles. Good. What do we know about their promotional strategy? Just in-store promotions. They're not advertising that they'll be selling at Walmart, probably to keep department stores happy. They likely think the Levi's brand will be enough. Okay, so what's your strategy for countering Signature? A double-digit increase in ad spending for Lee, Wrangler, and Riders. Good, good. The more we can do to overshadow Signature's launch, the better. Another executive interjects. But they are spending big on ads for Type 1, their new upscale line. The marketing executive nods. Yeah, Type 1's interesting. They're trying to use that to compete with Calvin Klein and Ralph Lauren. Might be a big earner for them if high-end consumers embrace it. You know, maybe we should consider creating an upscale line for Lee or Wrangler. McDonald shakes his head. He thinks VF's future is in building up brands like the North Face, which targets specific groups of consumers. No, no. Brands only stretch so far. You just can't be all things to all people all the time. In July 2003, Levi's Signature and Type 1 jeans finally reach stores, and Marino's strategy unravels fast. Fast fashion chain Wet Seal sets the tone. It refuses to stock Type 1 in its 180 stores because it thinks Levi's aren't cool enough. In the high-end stores that do embrace Type 1, trend-setting customers snub the line because of its plain look and unfashionably high waistbands. And as Type 1 hits the skids, the need for Signature to wow the crowds in Walmart intensifies. It's fall 2003. In Bentonville, Arkansas, the head of Levi's Signature Line settles into an uncomfortable plastic chair inside Walmart headquarters. He's here to get Walmart's first report card on Signature, and he's hoping for an A. As far as Levi's is concerned, Signature is doing well. In just three months, it's lifted the company's sales 6%. But the Walmart buyer sitting across from him is less impressed. We're satisfied with Signature's performance, but we're not elated. Really? I thought it did well. We expected more. The inventory turn is slower than we anticipated. A shiver runs down the spine of the Levi's rep. Inventory turn is the speed at which a product sells out in stores and needs reordering. In Walmart's world, only products with a fast inventory turn deserve a place on its shelves. The Walmart buyer leans forward. 
We think price is the issue. $23 is just too high. And we want you to help us get Signature below $20 in weeks, not months. The Levi's executive gulps. This isn't a suggestion. It's a demand. The price must fall or Levi's is out. In November 2003, Levi's drops the price of its signature line to $19. It's still the most expensive jean Walmart sells, but at just a dollar more than a pair of Wranglers, Levi's inventory turn accelerates. Signature's sales jump 10%. Within months, Signature is generating annual sales of $100 million. But the upmarket Type 1 line is dead in the water. And the boost from Signature isn't enough to fix Levi's. In 2003, Levi's loses $350 million on annual sales of $4 billion. As Levi's finances weaken, the markets downgrade its credit rating. This sparks fears that textile mills might stop supplying Levi's with fabric on credit. If they start demanding cash up front, the move would unravel the whole business. But later in 2004, Signature helps the company edge itself back into the black. By 2005, revenues grow slightly for the first time in eight years. It's an unspectacular recovery, but progress all the same. But while Levi's is fighting for traction, VF is about to roll out a splashy new brand one of the biggest names in top-of-the-line denim. Seven for all mankind. Founded in L.A. in 2000, Seven for All Mankind has spearheaded a new wave of premium jean makers that are taking designer jeans to the next level. Its appeal rests in its combination of comfortable denim pants with contoured fits. The pants also come with aspirational price tags that land north of $200. And... Just like Levi's, Lee, and Wrangler, there's an instantly recognizable leather tab on the back, so everyone knows you're wearing top-of-the-line jeans. The denim duds made by Seven for All Mankind and its peers have made premium jeans a booming industry. By breaking the price ceiling and attracting celebrity fans, Seven for All Mankind inspired the rich and aspirational to whip out their credit cards and buy into the premium dream. Now, VF is buying in, too, at a cost of $775 million. Acquiring Seven for All Mankind is a huge investment, but it's one that gives VF a significant presence in every slice of the jeans market. They're now represented everywhere from discount stores to the Shishi Beverly Hills Outfitters and luxury malls across America. But even as VF bets on high-end denim, an existential threat to jeans is taking shape. It's August 2010, and in Washington, D.C., hypnotic drums fill the air. On a stage near the Washington Monument, a woman in a pastel red tank top and aqua leggings steps forward on her yoga mat. In unison, the 1,700 yoga fans gathered around the stage do the same. The woman on the stage is Faith Hunter. She's a yoga instructor, and this morning, she's leading a super-sized class. Hunter speaks into her wireless speaker. Bring your feet about hip distance apart. 
the audience obeys. Then, breathing in, lift your arms high over your head. The audience mirrors Hunter as she raises her arms into the air. Like her, they've all got yoga pants on, too. Pants made by Canadian yoga wear brand Lululemon. Lululemon has built a cult-like following for its premium leggings with a mix of flash mobs, in-store classes, and word-of-mouth buzz. And with the rising wellness trend, the brand's devotees are taking its comfy yet stylish pants out of the gyms and onto the streets. Women, and some men, are wearing yoga pants everywhere to run errands, to the coffee shop, to work, and even to dinner parties. But just like in the 1950s when jeans escaped the workplace and challenged clothing norms, there's pushback. Not everyone's embracing the new age of clingy yoga pants. And in Ohio, that clash even makes the evening news on WLWT. Typical high school students, but not your typical day at Loveland High School. (laughs) Dozens of teens, including many honor students, reprimanded over what they chose to wear to class, yoga pants. But do the comfy yoga pants reveal too much? Olivia Legg was one of 17 who spent the day in in in-school suspension for wearing them. I feel like if I wore jeans and like a cute shirt and something else, like I would be more distracting than what I'm wearing now. Loveland High is not alone in their worry. The nation's gene makers are worried too, but for different reasons. As people embrace the comfort and fit of yoga pants, they're also falling out of love with their genes. And that has left the denim giants scrambling for ways to build comfort into their genes. Where's my order? Where's my order? Where's my order? Break free from customer support monotony. Welcome to Intercom for Customer Support, the business messenger that uses chatbots, shared inboxes, apps, and more. Intercom's business messenger resolves questions that can be answered automatically, so customer support feels less like Groundhog Day and more like help is on the way. Go to intercom.com support to learn more about Intercom's business messenger for customer support. Birthdays, holidays, promotions, getting that last sprinkle donut. There's a lot in this world worth celebrating, but nothing is worth celebrating more than knowledge, especially knowledge that will pay off, like understanding how compound interest works, knowing how to check your investment professional's background, or figuring out your risk tolerance. Or finally understanding all those terms your friends keep throwing around like ETF, ESG, and ICO. Go to Investor.gov today to learn about these investment products and more. How much do you already know about investing? Find out by putting your financial knowledge to the test with their new investment quiz. Investor.gov is your unbiased resource for valuable investment information, tools, and tips. Before you invest, Investor.gov. It's late 2011, and in Bangalore, India, Levi's new CEO Chip Berg steps into a large suburban house. The blast of air conditioning is a blessed relief after the heat and humidity outside. The young woman who lives here walks across the marble floor toward the staircase. She's a Levi's customer, 
and Berg's here to learn more about how genes fit into her life. Come, I'll show you my genes. Berg follows. He's 51, and with his black-rimmed spectacles, he resembles a scrawny Clark Kent. He became Levi's CEO just a few weeks ago. When he joined the company, the board gave him just one goal. Make Levi's great again. But for years, that's felt like an impossible mission. The company may have survived its turn-of-the-century lows, but it's still treading water. So now, he's on a worldwide listening tour. Berg is visiting customers, peeking into their closets, and hearing from employees the world over, hoping to uncover insights that will help him restore Levi's to its former glory. The woman leads Berg into her bedroom, opens the wardrobe, and removes the ten pairs of jeans she owns. Berg scans her collection. Only two pairs of Levi's. So, for you, are they just one brand among many? Oh no, Levi's are my go-to jeans. Those ones there are my everyday pair. If I'm meeting a girlfriend, these are the jeans I wear. And the other pair? The woman gazes at her frayed and faded Levi's with a smile. (laughs) I wore these when I was at university. They don't even fit me now, but I can't part with them. Too many good memories. The woman turns to face Berg. For me, the thing is you wear other jeans, but you live in Levi's. Berg's eyes widen. For this customer, Levi's are more than a pair of pants. They're a companion on life's highway, stained with cherished memories. You live in Levi's is a ready-made ad slogan. But he knows it's more than just that. It's a jumping-off point for repositioning the entire brand, a compelling promotional alternative to Levi's usual reliance on sepia-toned Americana. Berg returns from his world tour armed with a plan. And it's all about getting more women wearing Levi's. Levi's owns 25% of the men's jeans market, but just 5% of the women's market. But to improve Levi's standing with women, it's going to need a way to counter the appeal of yoga pants. Berg tasks Levi's R&D team with using the latest fabric technology to fashion a line of women's jeans built for comfort. But Levi's isn't the only jean maker trying to make denim cozier. Arch-rival VF Corporation is on the case, too. And it's one step ahead. In summer 2014, VF's Wrangler brand launches a new line of high-tech and ultra-comfy men's jeans. Introducing new Wrangler Advanced Comfort Jeans, the most comfortable jeans you'll ever wear, guaranteed. How do we do it? We make Wrangler Advanced Comfort with four-way flex technology that bends the way that you do, moves the way you move, and the reinforced fibers are 20% stronger than traditional denim. New Wrangler Advanced Comfort Jeans. But Levi's isn't far behind. It's late 2014. In San Francisco, Levi's innovation chief Bart Seitz shows the company's executive team his team's latest creation. Lot 700, a comfier line of women's jeans. Seitz holds up a pair of Lot 700s. His fingernails are black from years of dyeing denim with indigo. We use a new four-way stretch denim that's both flexible and comfortable. He points to the upper thigh. We use lasers to etch away the top layer of indigo on the outer thigh. It highlights the center of the legs, making the wearer look slimmer. 
CEO Chip Berg interrupts. What about comfort? We mix lingerie fibers into the denim. The 700 now competes with yoga pants on comfort without compromising our roots. Berg looks satisfied. Softness is now a must. Sales of athletic pants are up 62% in 2010. They're so popular with younger consumers that many people under 25 haven't bought a pair of jeans in over a year. In summer 2015, Levi's new women's jeans arrive in stores, backed with a major promotional push from a hip new spokeswoman. All women are naturally badass. All women are so powerful and so incredible and so unique. I find that when I see women that are just comfortable in their skin, whoever that is, however that is, in whatever way that manifests itself, it's beautiful. I'm Alicia Keys, and this is how I'm living in Levi's. Levi's new jeans hit the spot. In three years, sales of its women's jeans rocket from less than $800 million a year to more than a billion dollars. But while Levi's mounts a comeback, VF is backing away. In 2002, VF Corporation's jeans brands accounted for half its revenues. But now, faster-growing VF brands like the North Face, Vans, and Timberland are eclipsing both Lee and Wrangler. And as the Lululemon armies advance, VF decides it's time to move on from denim. First to go is Seven for All Mankind. Back in 2007, VF paid the better part of $800 million for the brand. But then sales of its high-priced jeans got battered by the credit crunch, yoga pants, and edgier rivals. In 2016, VF sells the brand for just $150 million. Then, in August 2018, VF announces its parting ways with Lee and Wrangler, too. VF has announced plans to split into two publicly traded companies. One will keep the VF name and sell apparel and footwear. The other, yet to be named, will operate VF's jeans and outlet businesses. In 2019, VF spins out its jeans operations as contour brands. It's a $2.6 billion giant, now home to iconic jean brands like Lee, Wrangler, Rustler, and Rockin' Republic. But it's also a company born under a cloud. The days when the denim giants could rely on fashionable youth to sustain their empires are over. Jeans may have ridden the post-war shift from formal to casual clothing, but now a new fashion trend is underway. Increasing numbers of people are ditching denim and donning yoga and sweatpants instead. But while their jeans might be running afoul of the latest trends, contour brands and Levi's can both take comfort. For more than a century, their jeans have endured, adapted, conquered, and evolved. And that's because, just like denim itself, jeans are built to last. From Wondery, this is Episode 6 of Denim Wars for Business Wars. If you like our show, please give us a five-star rating and a review, and be sure to tell your friends. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Wondery app, or wherever you're listening right now. And to listen to episodes one week early, join Wondery Plus. 
You'll also find some links and offers from our sponsors in the episode notes. Supporting them helps us keep offering our shows for free. Another way you can support the show is by filling out a small survey at wondery.com survey and tell us which business stories you'd like to hear. A quick note about recreations you've been hearing. In most cases, we can't know exactly what was said at that time. Those scenes are dramatizations, but they are based on historical research. I'm your host, David Brown. Tristan Donovan wrote this story. Karen Lowe is our senior producer and editor. Edited and produced by Emily Frost. Sound designed by Kyle Randall. Kate Young is our associate producer. Our executive producers are Jenny Lauer-Beckman and Marshall Louie. Created by Hernan Lopez. For Wondery. Hey, I'm Mike Corey, the host of Wandery's show, Against the Odds. In our next season, I'm telling an amazing true story about American sailors who wrecked their ship off the coast of Africa in 1815. They're captured by a nomadic tribe. To escape, they will need to cross the largest hot desert in the world to reach civilization. They will battle against blistering heat, inhumane conditions, hunger, and thirst. Their heroic fight to get home will have a much greater impact than just on their own lives. It will influence a future president and change the course of American history in ways that are still felt today. This is the true story of the men who made it, and it's one that you don't want to miss. Subscribe to Against the Odds on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, the Wondery app, or wherever you're listening right now.